coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. We think about, you know, the leaders being these charismatic, outgoing, talkative, you know, comfortable in front of people giving these presentations. When in fact, you know, we know that between 40 and 60 percent of even senior leaders are more on the introverted side of the scale. And so, um, you know, we have this image that we're supposed to be a certain way. Um, And there are a lot of characteristics that make introverts tremendous leaders. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 25. This episode's interesting fact is... Introverted people are usually very good observers. Because they recognize that sometimes it's best to be quiet and observe, they often notice small details and things that others might not notice. Our guest today is married to an introvert and has many insights into things that the rest of us may often miss. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Jennifer Conweiler. Jennifer, a certified speaking professional, is a global speaker and best-selling author known as the champion of introverts. Her three books, The Genius of Opposites, Quiet Influence, and The Introverted Leader have been translated into 16 languages. Jennifer has been invited to speak in many countries, including Australia, Germany, Paraguay, and Vietnam. Her clients include GE, NASA, and the CDC, and she's a longtime faculty member of the American Management Association. She has also been featured in Forbes, Time, and the Wall Street Journal. I got to know Jennifer at an author's conference this past summer and really enjoyed listening to her. Jennifer, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Naftali, on this on this cold day where we both are we, we both are in cold climates today. So this warms it up a little bit. We certainly are. And I would say that um, cold is, as we talked about in our pre-show, a relative concept. But just for full disclosure, we're recording this in the end of December, really right before the new year. And uh, though we're not going to release this for a couple of months, um, I'm super excited to have the conversation. And like you said, it warms me up every time I can learn from somebody, especially with your experience and wisdom. And I want to jump in on the introversion point right away. First of all, I think that there are some misunderstandings or misconceptions about what introversion and extroversion really are. And even though I've learned about it, I'd love to hear it from an expert and have Lead to Succeed Nation hear from you as well. So take a minute, please, to define very simply, if you can, what introversion and extroversion are and thinking about it specifically from a leadership perspective, because of course, everyone listening to this podcast has an interest specifically in leadership. What would you say is the main impact of each profile on a person's leadership potential? Oh, those are great questions. So the introversion, the way I look at it and the way Carl Jung, who kind of came up with the term Naftali, is is really about where you get both introversion and extroversion, where you get your energy from. So what does that mean? Introverts get their energy from solitude, from within themselves. Uh, Extroverts, on the other hand, get their energy from people from what's going on and the stimuli in their lives. Now, that said, uh, we also know and have learned a lot more about this topic as more and more people weigh in, you know, on whether they're introverted or extroverted based on assessments like the Myers-Briggs and their own self-identification as leaders. Uh, We know now more and more that there is a spectrum here that most people don't really come, come out extremely on either side. 
but that most folks are somewhere, it's like a bell curve, you know, are somewhere closer to the middle. But the main different- Would that be an ambivert? I'm sorry, would that be called an ambivert? Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, you could say that they're ambiverts. That's a new term uh, that's just emerged in the last few years where people say, well, you know, I'm some of both. But it's also still the differentiator to determine- uh, whether or not you you might fall onto one side a little or lean more on one side than the other, um, it really has to do with that recharging of the batteries. You know, if you're somebody who says, "Well, I after being with people, you know, especially like in the season we're in now, you know, where you're out out and about and going to see you know parties and family and friends," introverts will tell you they must have they must have that downtime. Uh, it's not a negotiable item. Do you know what I mean? If they don't have it, it, they'll tell you they get very stressed out. Extroverts, on the other hand, will say, yeah, I need a break. But if they don't, they don't really have to have it. It's a nice to have versus a must have. So people usually identify with that, you know, that differentiator. And, and I will say there are characteristics that, you know, define the differences between, uh, you know, I's and E's. Uh, you know, introverts like to uh, think about things before they speak. Extroverts sort of like to talk off, you know, when their mind, the thoughts come in, they like to express them verbally. And then there are a number of other characteristics that someone could determine whether or not they're more introvert or extrovert. And, and what I say to people, some people get really hung up. I don't know what I am, you know. <laughs> I have, I'm having trouble, you know, figuring it out. And I say, don't get hung up on that. Look at what behaviors are more uh, inherent to you are, are more uh, comfortable for you and those that aren't and just you know do what works do what works and don't try to uh, stop trying to become something that you're not and in fact a lot of the research that I've done on the on the last three books that you mentioned um, really came out with that theme over and over again and that was that when people are true to what their strengths are then they are much more effective instead of trying to fit into some mold. And with leadership, that, you know, is, is a big issue because we think about, you know, the leaders being these charismatic, outgoing, talkative, you know, comfortable in front of people giving these presentations. When in fact, you know, we know that between 40 and 60% of even senior leaders are more on the introverted side of the scale. And so, um, you know, we have this image that we're supposed to be a certain way. Um, and there are a lot of characteristics that make introverts tremendous leaders. Mm, Yes. And I think that we have to unpack that a little bit more because as you said, so many of us are introverts, whether we know it or not. And I consider myself personally, as I mentioned before, an introvert and actually didn't realize to what degree not only I was, but many of the leaders that we did in in my community, this goes back probably about 10 years or so, a number of Mm non-for-profit leaders did 360 assessments within their own organization, but we did it together. And so we had opportunity to sort of share notes and, and compare, you know, various aspects of our profiles. And one of the things that surprised me were how many people identified personally as introverts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to take it a step further, I write about this in my book, Becoming the New Boss, the fact that my predecessor, uh, I think, I, I can't say for sure because I never asked him directly, I believe he was a card-carrying extrovert. You know, he had all the qualities of super outgoing and 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 very much uh, seemed to be energized by being with other people. And I was really the opposite and and still remain that way. I preferred in many instances to close my door so that I could think. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't get my energy necessarily from being with others, though to, I wouldn't say push back, but to maybe nuance a little bit where you were before in one of your comments. I do feel that, being an introvert doesn't necessarily mean you can't be 
charismatic or that you can't be a great speaker or anything oh, like absolutely. that. I think it's yeah. just like you said, it's an energy piece. And what do you feel like on the back end? Are you more energized than ever? Or do you need a couch to lie down on? Because you're just, you know, totally pooped out by by that experience. And so I guess my what, where I'm going with this is that I think it's important for leaders to be mindful of who do they succeed? What is the expectation, if there is mm-hmm. one, about what a leader should look like? Not necessarily to therefore become somebody different because your point is well taken. You, you don't want to go there. But minimally, I found that I think a leader can do a better job perhaps in educating people around them about their own preferences and that the fact Absolutely. that they are not necessarily mm-hmm. so um, interested in being super social, that doesn't mean that I'm being standoffish. It doesn't mean I don't like you. It doesn't mean that I don't want to hear from you. It just means I, I'm wired a little bit differently. And without being overly technical with people, if you can drop little hints and notes here or there about your preferences and whatnot, I sense that that will ultimately help leaders connect with people better, regardless of their profile, and ultimately be a better leader for them. And I I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I think uh, I would even stretch it further, Natalie, to say that you don't want people to have to guess when you say hints. I think what you might also be referencing is that when opportunities come up, right, to discuss these, when you're having your normal one-on-one with your boss, you know, and you're trying to, let's say, educate them, a very extroverted boss, you know, the best way to get the most out of you, what boss was, doesn't want to get the most out of their employees, right? So, you know, being very specific about that. So it really helps when I have a little time to think through what you're asking me to present at the board meeting, you know, being very direct about that. And of course, depending on how receptive the boss is, I mean, I really believe that's the way we're seeing incremental changes now and hopefully bigger changes in organizations because it's really (laughs) been like the elephant in the room. You know, we haven't really talked about this. A lot of it we didn't even know about that, you know, about these personality differences and what, what, how important it is for people to understand both themselves, their own as well as how to manage and and influence their teams. Sure. So yeah, I think we're on the same page with that. And I'm going to mention a couple of talks real quick before I move on to another question specific to speaking. One of them is you definitely want to hear Jennifer's TEDx talk. Uh, Another talk that I think has value and is worth listening into would be that of Susan Cain, which is, I think, a regular, so to speak, TED talk, also Mm -hmm. on the topic of of introversion versus Mm -hmm. extroversion. And I think there's great wisdom in both presentations about what the profile is, whether that's relating to how we need to engage kids in school, how do we need to engage our coworkers, leading up, leading down in your workplace, whatever that might look like, know more about your own style, your own preferences, learn more about the styles and preferences of others, and seek to find ways by which, without really getting yourself out of your own personal comfort zone, that you could be more sensitive to and more mindful of the way other people operate, so that ultimately you could have a better relationship and really be more in sync with people around you. Yes. And, and I thank you so much for, for mentioning that. And by the way, the TEDx talk that I did will be available. It's available on my YouTube channel for now so that people can check certainly check that out. But I was going to mention too, um, Natalie, that in the uh, preface of the book that I have, The Introverted Leader, and the new edition for that's coming out on March 6th. So by the time people hear this, it'll be out. And it's re- I really revise it. The first one came out in 2009 when we were just learning more and more about how introverts lead effectively. 
effectively. And I've kind of, so I've added new research and I've added new tools to it. And one of the things that stayed constant was the preface by, or the forward written by Douglas Conant. And Doug Conant is the former CEO of Campbell Soup uh, and has his own very successful leadership consulting company. And he's very introverted and has been very vocal, if you will. That's kind of an oxymoron, right? But very uh, expressive about what it has meant to be an introverted leader and how it's been an advantage for him. And also how he's been, to your point, very um, open about how people should work with him and how he, what he want, how he wants to work with them. So I think people will find that to be useful as well. When we hear from more and more, you know, successful professionals who are owning their introversion, I think that's when we're seeing um, real changes. That's beautiful. And the idea that you could be courageous enough to say, this is how I work best. And I really would love to work with you in certain specific kind of ways. Obviously, you don't want yeah. to box people in too much. But right. I think that if people appreciate minimally that you, you're mindful of it and you're giving them some insights, most people, I think, are going to appreciate that and are going to strive to try to connect with you in a way that ultimately works best for you. So that's a that's a beautiful point. But I do have to get us off a little bit on the extroversion bandwagon just so that we can talk about something else that you're really prolific at and really great at, uh, which is speaking. And Jennifer, mm-hmm. you speak Thank from the you. stage. You're a professional. You know the tricks of the trade. And I see this often. You know, I get constant LinkedIn emails into my inbox about public speaking or people are looking for public speaking coaching. And, yeah. uh, and and you see more and more that despite the fact that we communicate perhaps more than ever, my sense is that people are in some ways more and more afraid to, uh, to get out there and formally address people. And so mm. my question to you is, it's got a few levels to it and hopefully we can hit on all of them. And if not, that's totally fine as well. But question number one is, were you always comfortable with public speaking? And I want to say always, you know, pick your, pick your date of maturity where, where that would be an appropriate mm-hmm. response. Number two, mm-hmm. if not, how did you become more comfortable? And finally, and you could tie all these in together if you'd like, what advice would you offer to somebody who struggles with confidence in their ability to present? And I'm thinking not just from the stage, but even at a faculty, at a, at a staff meeting, you know, yes. in front of your, if you're, if you're a leader and you've got shareholders in front of anybody who needs to hear from you, whether it's super formal, like a TED talk or something a little bit less scripted, what advice would you give to somebody who's got those butterflies to the point where it seems to be inhibiting their capacity to speak and they struggle as a result with their confidence? It is such a common challenge. I mean, there's that old, what's the saying about people would rather die than speak? Or, and I told, you know, to your question, I, I'm an extrovert, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't, I was always comfortable with getting up in front of people. In fact, you know, I could talk to you very easily. I get energized by people. But when I was in my early days of presenting, to your point, um, and that was, uh, you know, you even think back to college, I would, you know, and for years after that, I would be so debilitated and I have all the symptoms of anxiety that probably a lot of us could relate to, you know, the sweaty palms, the beating heart. I, you know, I thought I was going to just faint right there on the stage. I remember one time like grabbing a podium because when I had to give a little presentation in a class. So yeah, and that didn't go away overnight. And, uh, I wish I had a, a coach back then to give me some, uh, you know, very practical advice <laughs> that I had to learn through the school of hard knocks. But so what advice would I, would I give to people? Um, I think, you know, I think, first of all, we have to look at what the messages are that we're telling ourselves in our heads. Many of us fall to uh, prone to what my friend Barbara McAvee calls brain rats. 
And uh, she sings about this. And it's really these, this negative self-talk, you know, like everybody's smarter than me. What if they ask a question I, don't, I can't answer? I mean, I had a coach when I was being coached on this and I was working in GE a number of years ago and I had to give a presentation to engineers. And I really didn't feel very confident at all, even though I knew the topic, you know, was in my sweet spot, not certainly not in engineering. And this coach uh, just right before it came up to me and I'll never forget, he said, Jennifer, you know this stuff. Just be here. Be where your feet are. And, you know, I was so in my head, Naftali, worrying. Can you relate to that? Like, you know, what are they going to think about me, right? The judgment. And that just was pretty much debilitating if I, if I, you know, listen to those messages seriously. So that freed me up to then, uh, you know, I can't say it was a perfect talk, but I felt more relaxed and I felt like I could be in the moment more. And that was a huge lesson for me. So I, I think that was key. And so I think in the moment, in addition to those thoughts that we have that are negative, I think we, to get out of that is, it is very physical kind of a solution. And that is to breathe slowly in and just hold your breath for just a moment at the top of that breath and then slowly out, mm-hmm. slowly in and slowly out. And what that does is, you know, your brain can't be racing when you're focusing on your breath. Mm-hmm. You know, we learned that in meditation, which I've been doing the last few years in yoga is that you can't do both at the same time, which is really terrific because then you not only, uh, you know, get out of that headspace, but you also relax your body mm-hmm. and your audience will pick up on that too. I love that quote, by the way, from before the be where your feet are. That's be where your feet are. Yeah. Yeah, stay with me. That's great. In fact, if I thought that people would know what that meant, I would actually make that for sure the title of this of this conversation, you know, on the podcast. <laughs> but I think it probably well, will need. I could see. try, but I think I'm probably going to need something that people will will, res- will understand better, you know, intuitively. But that's great right, advice. Really, so that, really so great that, advice. You know, that headspace and also that, you know, challenging those negative thoughts of breathing. And of course, being prepared, you know, but I find most people do prepare the content. Um, and what they, where they, we talked about this and I think the talk where you, where you were at when we were at the workshop, uh, and that was really about practicing out loud practice, or is it allowed? <laughs> you know, I think we forget if I knew then that it's so important to really, you know, when you get your, your key points down, uh, to not just be sitting there editing because writing is different than, than speaking, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, Right. So practice in the car. I, pra- I, I practice my talks in the car. I, you know, I'm in the shower. Um, uh, and when you speak it, it sounds, you get, you get it into your head more and the, the right phrasing comes out. You know, when I, with the f- introverted leader, I have a model I put together for all these challenging situations, whether it be networking or public speaking or uh, leading a team, uh, et cetera. I have seven different situations and the model is called the four P's. And if it's okay, I'll just kind of talk those through very briefly please. right now. And the four P's, it's an easy to remember uh, process. And the first is to prepare which by the way, introverts do very well. <laughs> Extroverts, you, you wing it a little bit more, but that's okay. As long as you got that, you got it done, even if it's last minute, you got your points that you want to make, whether it be at the staff meeting or whether it be even a conversation with your boss, if that makes you nervous, uh, you prepare. And then uh, the next thing is your present. And that relates to what I was just saying, be where your feet are, be present so that you can pick up on what the audience reaction is. And, and uh, if you're going too fast or slow, instead of worrying about what you're going to say, next or what you missed, you know, or that slide isn't quite working correctly, you know, all the things that we can get hung up in, stay present. And then the third thing is to practice. 
And that's what I was referring to. You can't, you know, you, these people that perform on Broadway, I love Broadway shows and, and, and going back to New York and seeing them. And, and I just, am just always so amazed at how easy they make it look. Yeah. And then I think, you know, my second thought is, oh my gosh, how much practice that must have taken to learn those lines and, and just get that arm to go up in the right way. Well, I'm not suggesting we'd be Broadway performers. However, I think that's their lesson is, is a good one. My friend, uh, David Greenberg, who's a speech coach, uh, said to me once, you know, rehearsal is the art of experimentation. Rehearsal is the art of experimentation. So you, you're getting more comfortable. You're saying it in different ways so that when you finally get up there and do your program or your presentation, you know, you've done it already so much that you feel comfortable up there and it's coming out in a much clearer way. Sure. Yeah. And then the fourth, uh, the fourth thing is, is pushing. And I kind of took these out of order a little bit. The pushing yourself is to stretch. So I, if I were to switch it around, I'd say practice is really at the end. But pushing is the fourth P. And pushing is, is really just stretching yourself each time. So, you know, maybe this time you, uh, you move out from the podium, you know, or maybe this time you plan a question or two if you haven't been using enough engagement in your talks to your team. Or you practice a new story. You take one thing that's going to stretch you so that, you, you know, any more you're going to be freaked out about it, but any less you're going to feel like it's just the same. Sure. Right. So you want to find kind of that sweet spot in yoga. They call it the edge. Yeah. Like what's the edge any further you don't want to go. So do your push, you know, pick, pick out that one thing. And then I guarantee if you just keep practicing, you know, and I know that we always say, how do you get to Carnegie hall? Right. Or people say <laughs> you practice. Yep. So you just keep practicing. And that was my story. I, I just did a lot of training programs. I did workshops and, uh, I really don't feel nervous. And I think the reason is now, um, you know, I've really worked at it, but not everybody's going to be a professional speaker, but I have seen people do incredible things. So many of my clients and so many of the people in my programs who have perfected or worked on their speaking and really focused on it have used those steps and be very, been very successful. Sure. I actually participated when I lived in Atlanta. We didn't know each other at the time, but yeah. I did participate over in Dunwoody at the um, at one of the Dale Carnegie uh, training oh, centers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw some people in the room who were clearly very nervous yes. the first couple of times that they got up and spoke in front of others. And, and one had to wonder whether or not they would, you know, achieve anything meaningful, at least in that regard. And by the time mm-hmm. that the course had finished or pardon the pun run its course. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time we were done, the uh, these individuals had really, not all of them, but some of them had really, really grown. And so if you take uh, what Jennifer is saying to heart and you practice, you're present, and you do the various pieces that she talked about with those four Ps, uh, not only do I see this as being relevant to people who want to speak and communicate in that way, but I'm actually thinking about it in terms of preparing for this podcast, for example, you know, mm-hmm. that I need to be prepared. I, I sent you, obviously, information ahead of time. There are certain things I've practiced and have gotten better at as I've continued to work at it, but I'm pushing myself and I am stretching and trying to learn new things as well as being present and trying to not get distracted uh, by anything mm-hmm. else and just really being present with you and having this conversation together, which I think is great for not only running hopefully a great podcast, but also for, for really any conversation you're going to have. So I'm thinking, for example, in the workplace where you're talking, you're planning to talk with your boss about something important or somebody else, and and maybe that person's a little bit intimidating, uh, or maybe you're just not exactly sure what you're going to say. And I can easily see ap- applying these four Ps you know, to, to basically everything 
that you do that involves a little bit of thought and a little bit of practice to ultimately refine it and, uh, and, and get the very best out of each and every situation. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So I want to ask you uh, one final question for this segment. And that is, you know, obviously something like you talked about before, not everybody's going to be a public speaker and not certainly not everybody's going to do so professionally, you know, as part of their core, let's call it professional identity. How did you get started in this? You know, that's not something that typically, you know, ask your average kindergartner and you say, what do you want to be when you grow up? They'll say <laughs> fireman, they'll say whatever, but they're certainly not going to say in most speaker. cases professional <laughs> speaker. So, so what brought you there? And were there any lessons that you picked up along the way that you think would be relevant to lead to Succeed Nation in a broader sense of having a vision, uh, sort of going after your dream and finding the ways by which to get there? Oh, interesting. You know, I, I think, as I said to you, I've always enjoyed speaking, but I wasn't, you know, there's one thing about speaking and there's another about having the craft of it. So um, I'm going to fast forward to 10 years ago, Natalie, because my background before that was gathering experiences, you know, in all different kinds of uh, organizations from the corporate world. I mentioned GE, uh, working in uh, the U.S. Department of Education. I've worked in, uh, in education itself at university. So I gathered up different roles, all within the realm of like, I would say, coaching, leadership development, HR, that was really my sweet spot. Uh, and so I knew what my areas of interest were and my my educational background as well, because I, I got degrees in counseling and, and went on to um, do that in, in organizational development. So I, you know, I had my, my focus there. But as I wanted to broaden my, uh, my platform, if you will, and, and take some of the, that learning and those perspectives, and I've I'm, I'm always been a helper, you know, I, was, I came up from a counseling background. I've always done, you know, been a helper, even when I was a young kid, that was when I would volunteer for things, it would always be to help other children. And, and you know, that's kind of just in my DNA. But I'm also an, an entrepreneur and also creative. So I, I come from a family, my dad was a, a television screenwriter. And so it was always very accepted, you know, when you're in your family, you follow kind of the family business or the themes, and it was always uh, accepted and encouraged to do your own thing. You know, and I have other people that didn't have that kind of, I was very fortunate. My parents really encouraged me and, and I believe both my parents were feminists that girls can do anything from my sister and I you know, took that to heart. And so, you know, it's those early messages that I think gave me a really good springboard for, uh, for this direction in my career. So about 10, uh, well, I guess about 15 years ago, I started to write more and, you know, take some of those uh, lessons and write within the professional realm. And I started, you know, like anything else, I read about writing, like you, you took courses you know, and speaking. And I, I started to write columns. Uh, I wrote a couple of national columns. I started out a lot smaller than that. And then I decided to, to write a book. I actually wrote a book with my spouse, Bill, who's a professor at the time and, and realized that I could write a book. And then I decided to write a book uh, that was more focused on my interest area. Uh, that one had been more about HR. And so we, I moved into the, the whole niche or niche, if you will, of introverted leadership and, and came upon that that idea by focusing in on, you know, where did I think there was a need in the marketplace? Uh, where were there no books to help my clients? I was working with a lot of introverts in technology. So I think just, um, you know, if I were to sum up some of the the lessons and all of that, which in oh, that, by the way, opened up a whole, you know, career for me, really. And, and, and as I d worked on my public speaking and my and my writing. So as you mentioned, I have you know, now the fourth book coming out on that topic and have really done a deep dive into uh, 
you know, into the whole idea of bringing, harnessing the power of introverts within our organizations. So congratulations you know. on that new book. Well, thank That's you. fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's fun to redo it. And I thought I was just going to do a revision, but I actually yeah. rewrote a lot of it. And so just to sum up, I, I think the, you know, just really um, taking what opportunities are given to you as well as creating those uh, as an entrepreneur and trying to be creative to look at where the gaps are, where you can help people and, uh, and not worry too much about, you know, people pleasing as well. And, Beautiful. you know, taking what you've learned along the way and, and packaging that so that it, it, it meets two things. It meets your own passion and interests as well as, you know, helping uh, people out there. Sure. And I, what resonated with me, you, you shared a lot, which was all great, but one thing in particular towards the end there, the idea of creating your own opportunity, not just working within the, the strictures, if you will, or the framework uh, that exists in the marketplace, but identifying new opportunities and then creating those opportunities for yourself, whether that's through new learning or through new connections or a variety of things, there's, I think, more opportunity than ever uh, for people to do something different, to sort of hack the system and, and find new ways forward. And it doesn't matter what you're sharing with us also is that, you know, you didn't do this in the first five years of your career. You did this no. while you were very well established already and had a lot of experience. And so it's never too late is what I would think. You know, I transitioned out of out of formal education um, a few years back and I moved into a different space, even though I consider coaching to be an extension in many ways, yes. serving and yes. teaching and all of this, the reality is on the back end of all the work, whether that's the the marketing, the technological, you know, I, I was, wasn't on social media really at all. I had no website. I had no presence, at least on the coaching space. I had to go through training. I pursued a doctorate, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things were new for me. And all was because I decided that I wanted to make my contribution in a different kind of way. And I wasn't going to allow, you know, my past, let's call it limitations or lack of experience prevent me from doing something and doing it well moving forward. And so I think we can get a lot of encouragement about your journey and your story, Jennifer. And uh, and I think that that's really a great way to end this segment and transition us now into our rapid fire. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for, for synthesizing those lessons. As an introvert, you did a great job on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll give you my, I'll give you my mother's number when we're done. Okay, uh, thanks. The, the, the best thing, and I, I, can, I can probably confirm on this since I spent three years there myself, the best thing about living in Georgia. Oh, oh, that's my question. The best thing about living that in is, Georgia? That is yeah, a question or prompt. Go ahead. Okay, sure. Uh, the people. Elaborate if you don't mind, because I, I think I know what you're saying. Nice people, friendly people, welcoming and diverse. Nice. I love the diverse climate, particularly where I am here in Atlanta. Fantastic. Exercise morning or evening? Uh, morning. Morning. Okay. I've been doing that too. And I find great results from that. Uh, other than your own, a book that you've most often gifted. Other than my own, I would say, uh, I'm going to put a plug in for my most recent gift, which is a photography book, uh, written by my, uh, uh, <laughs> not written by, but photographs taken by my sister, Carrie Boretz. It's oh. called street. And it's phenomenal. It's about, it's photographs uh, from her career, her earlier years as a street photographer in New York City. And it captures, it captures New York in the 70s and 80s. It's a different New York and uh, carries a photojournalist, Carrie Boretz, B-O-R-E-T-Z. Cool. Nice. And the best stage you've ever spoken from? 
The best stage. Oh, wow. Uh, I would say the best stage was the American Library Association National Conference. It was the largest audience I ever had. There were like 3,000 people. Nice. And, but it wasn't that as much as the reception, the people who are librarians read and they're mostly introverts, so they were very engaged, and we just had a great time. Cool. So that was that's my one of my best memories. Awesome. So Jennifer, tell us how we can uh, how Lead to Succeed Nation can get in touch with you, learn more about your work, and uh, and hopefully be inspired by your wisdom. Well, thank you so much, Natalia. My uh, best way to get in touch with me is you can find me everywhere, <laughs> basically. Now, you can find me, just Google um, Jennifer Conweiler. Go to my website. That's probably the best place to start. That's K-A-H-N-W-E-I-L-E-R. And uh, you'll find a lot of uh, free articles on there. You can sign up for my blog or newsletter, which I put out regularly, not too often, so you're, you're spammed or anything like that. But um, you'll get notices of when the new book has come out. And by the way, you guys will probably already have that. So you'll get free sample chapters on there. Also, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, same spelling of my name. You just just look for that as well as LinkedIn. So, And I'd love to talk with people online too. So social media is a great way to communicate, particularly with my introverted peeps who enjoy that as very much. So Absolutely. thank you for, uh, for asking me to, um, you know, to share that. My pleasure. And even though we've only gotten to know each other relatively recently, I would say that Jennifer is a tremendous resource on many levels and certainly worth learning more about and visiting all of her resources. So I encourage you strongly to get to jenniferconweiler.com. I assume it's .com. I'm not sure if you said that or not. Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, and, it is. Thank uh, you and, for and, and go check out all those resources. Uh, Jennifer, I, I don't want to be greedy, but I, I feel uh, important to ask this of you. I really ask it of all of my guests for one final life lesson, please. Anything you want to impart before we go today? Oh, wow. Uh, I, I think the thing that when I look back on my career, Naftali, I would say, enjoy it and enjoy your life and don't worry so much. That would, that would be the thing I, particularly as a working mom, uh, I always would be very worried all the time and, uh, it probably was wasted energy. So, so try not to worry. I know it's easier said than done, but enjoy each day. That's what I'm trying Great to do now. Thought. Thank you. So thank you. No. Thank you. Yeah. And I will try to remember my own advice <laughs> <Understood>. as well. <laughs> oh, and I, can I add one other thing sure, to that? As an, sure. as, a, as an extrovert, you know, we always have to get one more word in, right? And I would say related to that, Naftali, is, the, is one word, and that is to laugh. Mm. Good. So I think if you're laughing, you're probably also not worrying as much as well. So they tie in beautifully together. Exactly. Awesome, Good Jennifer. There, Thank right? you so, so much for coming on today. We've learned a tremendous My amount. Pleasure. And uh, I hope to deepen our relationship moving forward. Same here. Thank you so much and happy new year. And to you as well. Today's leadership quote is from Eleanor Roosevelt. You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you could lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives social proof that encourages more folks to listen. Social media junkies, please share this recording with your networks and tag me as well. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Naftali Hoff and on Twitter as at Impactful Coach. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. Thank you.